Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Access VFX podcast. This is episode 37. Now that we're months into lockdown, um, we felt it was right and proper to complete our trilogy of standing out while staying in episodes with a, we hope, a deeper dive into careers advice for the, I've never used this term before, the lockdown, which is everyone, right? But um, I wanted to kind of just go back to episode 29, which is when we kicked off the Stay at Home series. And episode one, uh, and a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of people returning from that episode, who I can see on the, uh, the grid, the, uh, the, the Muppet Show grid in front of me, where we discussed um, kind of networking, um, social media etiquette, and uh, kind of show real advice. It was a really, really rich conversation. And since then, we've continued to run uh, this kind of webinar style episode. Episode two, then, of the Standing Out series, we we did a deeper dive into personal brand. Then we had Ruben Milne come and join us and we got into a really specific conversation on how you can be your own cheerleader and find out what how you know, what people say about you when you're not in the room type thing. Um, so who knows what this episode is going to bring. We're, we're doing it as a live webinar. We've ingeniously, ingeniously called this episode Standing Out While Staying in Part 3. And this episode, I'm pleased to say, is in collaboration with the Royal Television Society or the RTS as they're known to their friends. And um, this is where, where I welcome Jude Wynn Stanley, RTS chair and TV line producer, who the RTS have dispatched to the Access VFX podcast to, to rep the RTS and also the, the unit list. Um, and we hope that having Jude on the pod will provide a, a wider perspective on the a wider opportunities and, and careers advice uh, out, outside of uh, core VFX animation and games. Um, I should also throw in a few thank yous. Um, so I should figure up our Access VFX mentee pool. We have 200 plus mentees, 700 uh, in number waiting for new mentors. So if anybody's listening from industry, now's the time to sign up to get yourself a industry mentee. Um, so I want to thank the mentee pool that have helped out with some of the, the challenges, questions, and some of the the, the things they're coming up against in the current lockdown. And I want to thank Saints on the call as well, who I had the pleasure of attending the uh, the first BFX Festival uh, Escape webinar on careers, um, where um, I was allowed to steal the unanswered questions. So I've got a whole list of unanswered questions from that as well. So I've got plenty of content to work with, but what we really want to do is get some questions from those listening as well. Don't be shy. Ask a question either collectively or pimp pinpoint one of these lovely people to answer your question for you. So that's my little bit of intro. I'm going to hand over to the team now. I want to kick off with Jude, and then we're going to introduce everybody on the episode and then get stuck into the conversation. So over to you, Jude. Hi. Uh, so I'm Jude Winstanley. I'm a TV line producer. Um, I also run a job site called The Unit List, um, and I'm also a producer uh, for RTS Futures. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Tom Box, co-founder of Blue Zoo Animation Studio and also co-founder of Anim Dojo. Hi, I'm Alice. I'm the head of recruitment at DNEG. Hi, I'm St. John Walker. I'm the, I'm the deputy dean at Escape Studios. Hi, I'm Katie Gascoigne. I'm a recruitment and talent coordinator at Blue Zoo Animation. Excellent. 
Hi, uh, I'm Andy Mead. I'm a senior recruiter at Foundry. Hi, I'm Bonnie. I'm a senior recruiter manager um, at Framestore. Hi, I'm Amy Backwell, and I'm the emerging talent specialist at Industrial Light and Magic London. Hello, I'm Jenny Burbage, and I'm <laughs> the head of PR and comms at Milk Visual Effects. Hello everyone, um, I'm Paul Wilkes. I'm Head of Talent Acquisition for Technicolor's Advertising Brands, MPC and The Mill. Brilliant, excellent. Good intros, guys. Right, so we've got about 55 minutes to get stuck into this episode, so I'm going to kick off proceedings with, with my first question. And this came from uh, one of our Access VFX men's teams. And it's a nice broad question to start with. We're going to get more into real talk shortly. But I wanted to ask the group, um, from your personal experience, um, how is the ongoing lockdown effect? How, how would you feel that the ongoing um, lockdown is affecting the next generation of talent now that we're not at the beginning of it, we're months into it? You know, what are the kind of themes that you're picking up as as recruiters, talent managers and people trying to get people into your respective industries? Jude. So many things to do. Um, so uh, just having little chats with people, because um, I sort of look after a runners group on Facebook as well. Um, people are starting to, they've been um, engaging with some of the uh, webinars that are going on about what will happen to, um, uh, what's going to happen when we go back into work, actually into production and people are in the same space together. And I think um, some common themes that seem to be coming out from those conversations seem to be that there will be fewer and fewer people to get working together certainly fewer opportunities for juniors to join in um, kind of positions that have lower responsibility so there are certainly some concerns that actually they may not be able to jump in and get started as quickly as they might normally be able to okay that's an interesting one saint yeah, I think the, the current situation is interesting from an access VFX point of view because it kind of amplifies inequality. Because if you think about it, uh, young talent now is having to rely on maybe uh, a computer at home uh, or the, a network of family and friends uh, rather than the classroom or going into uh, sort of a, 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 a going to work or going into school or, or university every day. So the, those who are pretty kitted out at home, those who may live in leafy suburbs, you know, aren't having as hard a time at the situation at the moment as those who maybe are in cramped uh, situations or looking after family members, etc. So it, it's, it's an interesting time at the moment. I think the lockdown at the moment is affecting the kind of equality of access and the equality of experience that students used to have by going to university and you know being faced with the kits and the software etc they need yeah is it do you think it's down to the kit alone then i mean i know you, we're talking about access effects and we stand for diversity and there's a widely held assumption that most people have some kind of electronic device to you know engage with webinars for example as jude said but um is that is that an assumption is that deeply rooted in bias do you think or you know is yeah, you know, are there people out there who have no access to tech and need it? Are people being forgotten? Uh, I mean, I, I can only speak for sort of like certain kind of uh, courses, obviously. Uh, but uh, I think in terms of getting access to the technology, it's obviously an important part of learning to be part of the future talent. Uh, but I think also comes with that the idea of 
collaboration and networks and having a network of support, which maybe you used to have in the classroom with your mates. Do you still have it online when you're at home? Um, do you still have those connections? And that's kind of more important, I think, for generating talent and uh, helping out. Uh, Tom? Um, I was going to add that, you know, I think a lot of the time we always get a little bit hung up on the technical side of it. Mm. But I think we need to remember that everyone the studio hires is fundamentally they're being hired on their underlying skills, not what software they know. You know, the, what software they know helps you get the job. It doesn't get you the job. And what really gets you the job is that is those core skills, especially, I guess, in the more uh, the visual sides of it, of especially in animation, where, you know, we, when we have at Blue Zoo, we have concept artists and you hire them on how good they can draw amazing paintings, not how well they can use Photoshop. So I think mm. it's worth remembering there are a lot of disciplines which don't require an expensive computer to practice at home. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Bonnie, you're going to add to the conversation. Yes, indeed. Um, what I think might be a bit more of a struggle is because right now we cannot basically be all together uh, like it was before. So for uh, on my side, what I do believe is usually a studio, when you hire a student or someone that is just, you know, coming into VFX, it needs to have support. It needs to be supported by senior people. Uh, the reality yeah. is when you're in a studio, you have access a lot more to those people. And when you're from home, you might be a bit more shy to reach out to those senior members of your team. So that might actually limit the number of people that will be able to support you. That's where studios might actually hire less junior because of that, because they might not reach out. They might not, again, be able to grow within the studio because of the new work situation. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing as well is that from the company side is that it is a, it's a changing landscape. You know, we're still establishing what the next six, 12 months are going to look like for us as businesses. And I think for new talent, it's difficult whilst we can give people the encouragement and information like these kind of webinars and Simon, you and I have been on quite a few over the last few months. Um, you know, it's great to give that information, but I think it's, it's an ongoing process now of kind of uh, people really watching and understanding how the world is going to change and what work is going to look like in the next year or so. And, you know, there may be some advantages for people as well as disadvantages. You know, it's, it's easy to focus on the negativity around now, but the future is going to stretch out ahead of us and there's going to be potential opportunity for people to work in more flexible ways. You know, I was talking to our HODs today about how we would potentially onboard a junior artist, what support we would need to give to them if they were working remotely. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a new landscape as well as a challenging one ahead of us. Yeah, some positives there then, definitely. Andy? Yeah, I was good at adding on to what Paul said, actually. It's one thing as well is, is, is what people do forget is that sort of mindset of working from home. It's not for everyone. And I yeah. think we have to be aware, we have to be as employers aware of that, that not everyone is comfortable working from home. Some people love working from home, so it will suit others more than... More, more than some more than others kind of thing. So that's where the, the tricky part of, of, of hiring sort of, uh, sort of entry-level sort of roles um, is, is taking that into consideration, how we get them up to speed, getting that, get, it's not just getting them used to uh, a working environment, but also that working from home and how to do that, how to split your day. Something that we obviously, we're working with our own 
employees as well. It's not just, uh, I don't think it's level specific, but it probably is a bit more tricky for um, people coming into uh, the industry for the first time. That's a really interesting point. Thank you, Andy. Amy, you had your uh, placard held aloft. Yeah, um, that's a a great point, Andy, about um, the working from home not suiting everyone. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a real, real extrovert. Um, So kind of not having the energy of, of social um the social time it it is hard but i think you know we've all got that strength within us in this time um i think one of the a few of the things i was just going to say is um i think just don't definitely don't overwhelm yourself because there's so many resources out there at the moment (laughs) and it can get a bit kind of like wow i've got to try and reach out to everything and it is good but i'd say like you know like choose wisely um you know, reach out on, on LinkedIn, there's Animated Women UK. I think tailor it to what you want to do, whether it's VFX games, because, um, yeah, not <laughs> it's not going to suit kind of everyone reaching out and logging on to every webinar there possibly is. Um, I think the good challenge is at the moment it does, yeah, it does challenge young people to reach out a bit more than they would usually. You know, there aren't necessarily jobs available. It does... Um, encourage people to uh reach out if it's on email or or different social media um platforms and say hey you know i know you're not hiring right now but could you take a look at my reel um or if you're even younger then work experience i know that at ilm we're trying to look at a virtual way of doing work experience which is going to hopefully reach hundreds more young people in different locations than we were just having a few people in the studio and having the limitations. So I think there's actually, as you say, um, of course, uh, there are tricky situations, but there's many positives coming out of this as well. Um, There's going to be a further reach for different people. Um, Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people in our studio really stepping up and helping mentor and do a lot of online demos and walkthroughs as well. So um, don't be discouraged. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Katie, on that, you were going to add to that. Yeah, just uh, kind of what Amy's just said at the end of don't being discouraged, um, because I think it's important to recognise that the industry is evolving uh, and adapting to the circumstances rather than it's gone away or it's shut down. Um, So kind of at, at Blue Zoo at the minute, we have to hire juniors and graduates. That's the roles that have been, you know, created for projects that we've got on and you know there are the internships that are being adapted for this at at other places and running programs and it's being it's an evolving story it's not something that's kind of completely disappeared so I would say definitely don't be discouraged because maybe it's just looking for that extra bit of information but Mm. not necessarily that it's kind of wiped off from the opportunities that are out there. Thank you, Katie. So on that point around encouragement, and uh, everybody's talked about that the, uh, the the communication lines are still open, so you can still reach out and speak to people in industry. Um, one of the themes that I've picked up a lot from the Access VFX uh, menteeship and, and through various conversations that I've had is with anybody who's looking to kind of graduate. And when I say graduate, I'm not just talking about university level, I'm talking anybody who's graduating some kind of course this summer. There is a real fear of being forgotten like uh, that term that was used by one of our Access VFX mentees was being mixed in with next year's graduates. And almost does that then diminish their opportunity from in terms of law of averages? I mean, it is 
a genuine concern for people. Paul? I mean, I was thinking about that, um, you know, isn't time one of the most valuable things in terms of, you know, getting your first role? And actually, you know, it's difficult because obviously people may need to work or do whatever, but you have got another year advantage after graduating to invest in developing your skills, creating your portfolio. So, you know, whilst there is going to be more people in the job market next year, you know, the hope is those that graduate this year will then have more time to up their skills and make themselves, you know, in the strongest position possible. You know, there's always a high demand for entry level positions. That's not going to change. So, you know, I think using the time valuably, you know, wisely is, uh, is, is the most important thing. Okay, that's a great one. Thank you, Paul. Um, Alice. Um, I think uh, actually one of the things that I'm really excited about coming up, um, hopefully not the too distant future, is the demand for new content. Um, I don't know about everyone on this call, but I'm bored of everything that I've watched on Netflix. And I think I'm not, you know, not the only one. And I think that if you think about all the creative people sat at home thinking about the next book to write or the next blockbuster to go and film. Um, I'm really expecting there to be a huge push in uh, in recruitment happening, um, whether it's this year um, or, or next year. Um, so I think that although you will be mixed in with the next round of graduates, you will have, like um, Paul said, so much more time this year to really hone your skills, really develop that, uh, that showreel. Um, please try and learn some coding or something in that time um, yeah. and really kind of put yourself in the best place to get hired when all that new content comes in whenever it does. Andy, thank you, Alice. Um, yeah, uh, we're, we're slightly different from our uh, perspective at Foundry because we don't have a, a set sort of, uh, a, a, I don't know for the rest of the speaking, if I'm speaking for the rest of the people, we don't have a set graduate or intern, uh, graduate recruitment scheme or intern recruitment scheme. We hire into positions straight, straight, straight away. So things like QA, custom support, content creation type roles. We are slightly different. We're not sort of artist, compositor type organization, but we hire those skill sets and we hire those all, years, all year round. So we don't have that sort of um, pause and have a deadline. So we, you, we start recruiting for graduates at say end, end, of, uh, end of summer or, or, or sort of um, uh, end, end of the term, that kind of thing. So we're very much all year round We'll we'll have conversations and, and we'll and we'll speak to people and have have jobs in in those kind of skill sets. So we're slightly different that's in that aspect. So that's quite fluid throughout the year. That's quite yes, fluid. exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Andy. Going to go to Katie then Jenny. Um, what I would say is it's a it's not necessarily a concern that's only directly related to the circumstances. Yeah. Um, when I graduated, I felt like that because I thought if I don't get a job straight away, then I have to compete with, with next year. So I think that it's, um, it's something that's kind of existed anyway for people as a source of anxiety. Obviously right now it's kind of grown, um, but it's just like what everybody's saying is, you're not the only person who feels like that right now. And you're not the only person who has felt like that even years ago, because uh, mm -hmm. the industry and the uh, amount of people being educated and practicing in this art form it's obviously fantastic the industry is growing, but that also means that there's more graduates every single year. So it's not um, something that's singularly down to just this. So you're mm. kind of still in a, the playing field isn't that uneven, I would say. It's still, there's still chances out there. It's not yeah. like you're going to be kind of wiped away. 
Good, that's another encouraging point. Thank you, Katie. Jenny, you had your hand up. Jenny, you're on mute again. Sorry. <laughs> Building on Katie and Andy's points, Milk has a small studio. We don't have a graduate sort of programme. So we're hiring all year round at junior level, just depending on, on what we're doing at the time. Um, so that's really important to bear in mind. And I had quite a long chat with our head of HR this morning um, about this. And she she was really, um, you know, wanted to emphasise that if you're motivated, you're enthusiastic and you've got initiative and you've got a good portfolio, that's going to be the thing that's important. It doesn't really matter when you've graduated. And the thing to focus is on is getting that looking really good and really honing that. Mm, excellent. Thank you, Jenny. Saint. Yeah, I just wanted to make the point for, for in, in terms of people who are now learners, <clears throat> I think it's really important that you make, you know, what you've been going through now part of your story, which you tell to recruiters, because you, you have something exceptional here where you've worked and been resilient under, uh, uh, you know, unseen circumstances. And I think that's a powerful story to tell recruiters. So when you get out there into the job market and when you get in front of recruiters, remember to tell them what you did and how you did it in this period because people who haven't lived through this don't have that angle so people who've just gone on a uh, in the future maybe uh, who go on courses who don't have to handle this kind of pressure or, or these circumstances don't have that story you do so make it part of your story and make it part of your recruitment strategy it's almost building on all of those kind of professional skills you've built during the lockdown right i mean it's a, a bizarre irony but true for sure bonnie you had your yeah, so very quickly, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so very quickly, I just want to um, add a bit on what Saint and, and other people mentioned. Uh, yes, you do have to own, I think it's really important to, to own your skills, but also like take different opportunities. I know like Framestore, we're trying to create something different because again, we cannot have uh, students on board. So we're trying to build a competition, uh, trying to find a way around uh, what we're going through right now and kind of leverage that to make sure that we have good talent and that we're still, you know, maintaining our, our amazing people that are developing and have amazing skills and ideas. So I think it's really important for them to, to kind of take advantage of everything that is out there. It can be webinars, it can be competition, it can be a lot of different things, but to kind of dig and try to find those yeah. opportunities. Absolutely. I think every, every studio and every organization are definitely upping their game in terms of available resources, free stuff, free content. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there that people aren't quite tapping up for sure. Um, I want to take this opportunity to go to some kind of audience questions. I feel like I'm on like an 80s kind of a TV show. So live studio audience. So um, my first one is the first question we got in, actually, uh, from Zara J. So hello, Zara J. Thank you for tuning in. Um, her question is, uh, what would be your tips on ways to promote yourself to production companies and film companies while the TV slash film industry is relatively quiet or very quiet? That's her take on it. Or his, could be a boy. Anybody want to talk about that broad promotion? Bonnie. Well, as I was just mentioning, basically, I think taking those opportunities where like let's just say studios are hosting webinars, are hosting, uh, I know we're trying to do, Framesource really trying to push a lot of different events and content out there. Um, so just to get yourself known and, and being part of those webinars actually 
kind of puts out your name out there mm -hmm. because you will get on different yeah. lists. People might want to connect with you and just to have a quick conversation to say, hey, I thought about you because I've seen you in many of our activities. So I think yeah. just getting out there, about. networking, you know, in, in different ways could only just be good for you. Um, I was just going to say that um, I think one of the things you can do whilst the industry is a bit quiet is um, join in with like online group projects because one of the things we look for when we look for applicants is their their passion and their how they go kind of beyond the beyond the requirements of what not just what they've done at their college or university but what they've done on top of that and for us whenever we see someone's kind of really gone and found extracurricular activities and kind of group uh, events uh, or online kind of collaboration online projects that really shows that they've kind of like really done everything they can to, to make the most of that downtime and then of course that uh, uh, when you show that to studios in your showreel, that will give you more uh, showreel material. Plus, also it um, it will it will demonstrate that that passion and desire to to do everything you can to 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 further your career. Paul, you had your hand up as well, but I wanted to say that we did do an episode on personal brand on the last uh, the last episode of the pod, which goes into quite a lot of detail on the concept of of self promotion and how you can get your your, your name out there. But uh, I think Paul, you had your um, yeah. I, I was I was just going to follow up from Bonnie's point actually that um you know even some of the events that I've been involved in over the last month or so, people have followed up. They've linked in on LinkedIn, sent me a message to say thanks for the webinar and that they found it valuable. And, you know, and the thing is those kind of connections, that, that's the start of that network that you can build. So, you know, it, 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 it's there, you know, the, the rules apply as they always did in the way that you approach people and connect with people. But I think the, uh, you know, the platform is different. And in fact, if anything, it's more open than it's ever been because of these kind of things. Um, so we've touched on this a bit, but we've got a question here from Sam Downey's question here which is how do we deal with wet and hardware, software, sorry, hardware and software issues in VFX? So this person is a freelancer uh, who's daunted by the price of desktop software for home. Can studios help with costs? Um, I'll, I'll say when, when we have uh, people working remotely for us, we can, they can remote connect into our studio and use our, our software licenses. So um, we wouldn't say, uh, to a freelancer that if you don't have your software, you can't come and work in our studio. Uh, that wouldn't really be a fair way of doing it. So uh, there is that. And I think I think that with the, in terms of the other question, in terms of uh, if the, the software is expensive, I think, I guess, in terms of more learning it, I think some of the studios um, are do kind of ed, uh, kind of learning versions of their software as well. Um, so I've got a Good question in my Instagram uh, early today, actually. Um, so it's moving into a kind of more kind of job roles. Um, and this is an interesting one. So it's from uh, Stephen on Instagram, Stephen uh, Quinette or Quinet, who says, uh, do you think producing related or production related jobs are harder to find than artistic roles during the current situation? I mean, I, I would just say that I think that those roles are harder to find anyway, because there's less of those people. You know, there are less producer roles. There's less producers versus the number of artists on any project. So just purely numbers game, I think they're in, um, you know, they're, they're trickier to find. Okay, um, right. So I'm going to move on to another question then that I received um, via the Escape Studios um, recent um, event. So um, we've talked a bit about social media presence. Now, somebody said here, 
Is an active social media presence like LinkedIn good for standing out at this time, as in keep posting work or, or tests? Um, so I'm not sure what they mean by tests, but I guess the question is how prolific should people be? Because we talk a lot about social media being the special source and how you know LinkedIn is a great avenue, but how what's the where's the fine line between overposting and kind of hitting the sweet spot? Does anybody have a take on that? Um so yes, I think absolutely LinkedIn is 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 great for that, um, for posting. I think I think well, the good thing about LinkedIn is that you can type in recruiter, talent manager, even like anyone, even an artist um, at a certain studio like Bluesy, Framestore, Island, um, and the people come up, you know, and they are at at your feet basically. <laughs> um, and and I think as long as you're reaching out genuinely and taking the time to write personal messages rather than. Um, yeah, kind of blanket emailing everyone, then we really um, appreciate that. And I'm sure it's the same for everyone on this call that, you know, you appreciate the, the personal messages where people have taken the time to really research the company, even what you do. Um, and actually shorter is better. <laughs> um, I, we get a lot of different kind of emails with beautiful stories. But I think if you think about the amount of traffic that we get, I think actually shorter is better and sometimes um, it's easier to respond quickly to kind of shorter emails. Um, so put, put your link into your, to your work. It doesn't have to be polished. I know a lot of students that have lost their machines in this time and can't actually do some stuff. So I think it's a great time to um, just get feedback on your current reel. And then when you can actually um, update it, then of course put that into practice. And yeah, over communication is... It is a fine line. Um, yeah. I think getting annoyed that you're not responding after two days. I think that for me, that's the hard thing. <laughs> yeah, to bite your lip. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure who, yeah, Alice, I know you had your phone up. Um, I think one of the things that I love about this industry is how kind of inclusive and supportive it is. And I think that I've seen a lot of us, as I've been sort of scrolling through LinkedIn, I've seen students posting their showreel or a shot or some coding that they're doing, asking for feedback and the number of comments that you get just from strangers, you know, just from their random connections that are giving them advice. I think that's what students should be really focusing on trying to do now is getting as much support as possible. You know, like what kind of what's already, already been said, there is a fine line between how often you contact recruiters. Um, you know, you know, I won't repeat all the same stuff, but yeah. the advice is really good. Um, but in terms of reaching out to your other connections, do that and get that advice to really hone your showbill for when people are recruiting. I was just going to say, don't be afraid to get involved in kind of, um, current sort of meme comedy gifts that sort of thing as well just if something's kind of super of the moment don't be afraid to get involved in that and create some content um that showcases your skills but also kind of taps into you know whatever that viral joke of the day might be um there's nothing wrong with doing that kind of stuff and actually loads of people's kind of content has kind of come across my social media channels that I've just found really engaging to watch. And then mm -hmm. for some of them, I might have then gone and had a little look at what else they do. Um, yeah. And are they in a staff job? Are they a freelancer? What kind of, you know, is this something they're just doing fun or is this actually their day job? So while people have got time, I think it's okay 
to kind of indulge in things that are slightly more lighthearted as well. Yeah, hopefully a bit different as well, right? If we have more chance of standing out. Yeah, and also um, don't, I would say also don't discount the fact that um, there's also socials as well. There are loads of social agencies that create content, short form content for brands. And regardless of what job you do in a creative sector, actually, there will be work there for things that are sort of, you know, five seconds, 10 seconds, even as long as sort of 20 seconds, um, where you're in control of all that amazing content and they will be looking for you. Okay, thanks, Jude. Bonnie, you had your hand up. Yeah, so I just want to share that because I've been in recruitment for about like maybe more than 13 years in different industries. Uh, when I found... What I found when I joined VFX, what I found really, really interesting was the fact that LinkedIn is kind of an all-in-one place because you can have their profile, you can have their resume, you can have their videos, you, show, you know, there's their showreel, you can review everything. It's literally kind of a one and all, like all-in-one place, which I really, really love because I've been using LinkedIn forever. Um, yeah. But but honestly, for me, it's a big part. So if I look at your LinkedIn and I cannot find information, I find it a bit frustrating because you don't know where to find that information necessarily. You don't know if they're using ArtStation. Are they using Vimeo? So you're not going to start looking around everywhere. So if, let's just say, someone adds you, it's really nice to have like that all-in-one on LinkedIn so you can have access to everything and simply share and quickly share, actually, their video mm -hmm. Um, to basically your HODs or uh, to different, you know, different departments. So I think it's really helpful for anyone actually to be active on LinkedIn, um, to connect with people, but to have their profile updated all the time. Okay. Yeah. And keeping it relevant. Yeah. Saint. Yeah, uh, we'll go back to your question. I think you mentioned the, the word overposting, and uh, I don't know whether the questioner meant by that that they were scared of putting too much stuff out there. I think sort of like, you know, if, if you're a creative person, uh, you know, think think about this like, you know, a shark that stays still drowns, doesn't it? And I think sort of if you're a creative person, put stuff out there. You don't need to be calculating about it and sort of address it to a particular sort of recruiter. Just put stuff out there, whether it's on your own mm. blog, it's on in, uh, Instagram, wherever. Put stuff out there because you're a creative person and see what mm. happens. And I think there is a bit of that serendipity around. Don't be too calculating about everything. Okay. Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's a good point. I think, you know, creative people should be generating content all the time. But when it comes to getting feedback on the work, I think, you know, I suppose all critique and feedback has some value, but some has more value than others. And I think you need to be careful what feedback you take to heart and action. You know, getting feedback from industry professionals or people that are involved in professional training that, you know, that have experience in giving feedback that um, is constructive. You know, if you post any type of work, you know, you're going to get a lot of people that are your peers or maybe even more junior giving you feedback. And that there, um, whilst you know, there could be value in their, uh, their feedback, it's not necessarily the, the feedback that you need to improve your work. Okay, so it was around production and production. People trying to get roles as production assistants because what I found is we talk a lot about creative work and reels. And uh, somebody asked, what do you need to put out there if you want to work in production? What kind of, you know, you don't have the benefit of putting 
work up necessarily if you want to be a production assistant because you might not have had a great track record of jobs. So what would be your advice to somebody trying to uh, go down that career path? Um, I think it's a really great question. I think when um, I was hiring production assistants, it was always really tricky to see just from, you know, production kind of courses there aren't that many that are tailored to visual effects um, the thing that I really like to see is people's real keen interest in film and why visual effects specifically you know coming from DNEG um, I think it's great now to connect with filmmakers or animators or whoever who are just trying to get together to join a project lots of these and I don't want to be too broad speaking but a lot of people you know maybe they're very creative maybe they're very technical but they don't have the organizational skills and would really you know relish having a junior production person that would come in and help them wrangle themselves you know and, and produce a really great project so um, really what I want to see on that CV is um, the time that you've spent out of you know your course to really understand visual effects and visual effects production and any kind of projects that you can do on the other side is great to do. So demonstrating that proactivity uh, exactly, is, I guess yeah. is skill number one as a uh, as a producer working on any any pipeline right? Yeah Tom. those are all fantastic points and I just wanted to add to um, kind of doing your research um, definitely try and know exactly what a production assistant does because I think um, without saying kind of too much there's been a few people that apply to our Jedi Academy which is like the graduate scheme um, at ILM and fantastic you know have a lot of enthusiasm um, great communicators but actually don't necessarily know exactly what a PA does until they're in the interview <laughs> um, and it is very different, you know, producing a short film at university to coming into the industry and learning how fast paced it is and, and, you know, knowing exactly what a PA does to a coordinator. So I just, yeah, just want to add, like, really try and know um, kind of what you'll be doing when you come in and, and understand that it, it might not be what you think, <laughs> if that okay. makes sense. It absolutely does. Katie, you're going to add to the thread. Yeah, just um, building on what Amy and Alice have said, uh, it's kind of that first opportunity in production. I really think it's it's much more, it's even more about the soft skills and how you communicate yourself and and any example you can show of where you've, you've organised something and you've coordinated something. Um, I know that there's some people who have really good relationships with their um their course leaders or tutors after they've left their course that they'll ask if they can coordinate any of the student projects that are in the year below um so that they can work with them even just kind of like outside of it that they just kind of create a schedule and that allows them to be involved in some way so it's those kind of those opportunities to kind of have an example in organization but also the soft skills of communicating and you know kind of being ready to tackle anything <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to stay on the subject of soft skills or professional skills. So I've got another question here. I think it's from a parent, actually. It sounds like a parent. I'll let you all be the judge, which uh, says, um, how do you teach kids to network? They are fantastically connected, but don't know how to talk to people or pick up a phone, which sounds very cynical, very cynical parent there. <laughs> but does anybody have a take, Jude? Okay, so this question comes up quite a lot when I'm delivering stuff for uh, other groups. Um, and I hate networking. Like, I'm really good when I'm at work and I've, I've got my work hat on and I'm in charge of the situation. But me actually trying to go out and network with other people to get them to give me work, I find quite difficult. 
So there are some things that you can do. Um, and I have to say, um, some of them, actually, Matt Gallagher at the coresheet.co.uk um, um, actually taught me some of these things. So there are things like um, graduate, if you're at an event um, and you've been to see something, um, you can always look for somebody else who's also by themselves in the same room or in the same space and just ask them what they thought of a particular aspect. Make sure that you've got an opinion about something. Um, if you happen to be the person that's talking to somebody and you see somebody lurking around the outside, be the person to bring them in and talk to them about and get them to be included in the conversation. And then usually what happens is when people kind of move on, if you're then by yourselves, people tend to bring you in as well. Or if you're talking about uh, what you want to do and where you want to go, often the person, this one person that you might know in the room, they will introduce you to somebody else and go, oh, I know someone you should talk to. The other thing is also um, talking to the person that's in charge. So this is in an event situation. So if uh, so, talk to the person who's brought everybody in because they will know pretty much who everybody else in the room is. And if you go in and you sort of thank them for creating whatever the event is, um, and tell them what you're hope, who you're hoping to meet. They will be usually be able to kind of introduce you to at least one person. Um, networking when you're not at an event, when you are perhaps in a work situation and perhaps you're only on a short term contract, maybe you're only in for a day. Um, but actually listening to what people are doing, um, what conversations they're having, um, picking your moment, have, trying to have a little bit of a conversation with them. Um, we um, tend to advise things like when your team might go out at the end of uh, the day, they go out or they go out for lunch or they go out to the pub. You don't have to have a drink if you go to the pub. Oh, they were the days, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those things where you go outside and now we all get social anxiety for being in the same place. Um, <laughs> but just talking to people and networking is just talking to people. That's all it is. So even if you're just bonding over cats, you never know where that's going to lead to. And somebody says, what are you working on next? Um, do you know how to do X, Y, Z? I'd like to introduce you to somebody. And if you really hate all of those kinds of things, just say to yourself, I'm only going to stay for an hour. And then you've stayed for the hour. You've done your thing. You've tried to meet as many people as you can. Actually have a look at the list of attendees, if you can do that. Um, and... Um, don't have too many expectations when you're trying to network because you are never going, nobody is going to offer you a job just from you talking to them and going, hi, I'm amazing. I can do this. It, it just doesn't work that way. It's just about connecting with people. Thank you, Jude. Bonnie. Um, so honestly, Jude, you gave amazing advice. <laughs> I've, I've rarely heard, Someone gives so many uh, good advice, honestly, in one shot. Uh, <laughs> that was really, really awesome. Um, honestly, like we, I know I try, um, and I know the recruitment team tries a lot to create events so that way people can actually mingle. Um, I know recently we've created Rigging Mixer uh, in Montreal, because obviously I'm from uh, Montreal in Canada, um, but we've tried to create rigging mixers and I know like students what they've done because we've invited a few uh, we tried to really have different levels of people joining uh, that event uh, and 
honestly, like a lot of junior were, were kind of gravitating around me because I invited them and I was pushing them toward it. And toward the end, they were saying exactly what you were, what you mentioned. Uh, they, they really got out of their comfort zone, reached out to people, people that were alone, connected with people on common ground. I think it's super, imp super important to kind of either try to open a conversation uh, to kind of figure out what you guys have in common and obviously VFX. Um, but more than that, you might have different passions or passions that are related to one another. Uh, so really try to find those common grounds uh, with the other people and don't hesitate to join in a group. So even if you're alone and you see a group there, you can always ask, you know, may I join in? Because again, they're there to network. So basically, okay. usually people will never say no. They will always say yes. Uh, I've never told, honestly, I've never been told no. And I'm, a, I'm that kind of person that goes into those groups and say, hi, how are you? <laughs> um, so never okay. hesitate. I know you can get out of your comfort zone, but never hesitate. It will pay out in the end. Thank you, Bonnie. Right, Paul, uh, we've got Paul next. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just adding on to that, I think it's something that, you know, you can't expect to be good at straight away. It takes practice, it's like public speaking of any type, really. You know, it's something that you have to learn to do and become more confident in over time. But I think if it's rooted in passion, which is a word that's come up already, and honesty, you know, if you enter into those discussions with something that you're passionate and honest, can be honest about your enthusiasm for, you know, that's a great starting point. You know, I think about events I've been at with very junior candidates or uh, undergraduates coming to talk and being very nervous. But, you know, if they've got that passion and sort of humility um, and honesty about themselves and their work, it really doesn't matter. You know, all of that um, you push to the side and you can engage with someone. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a learning process for sure as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Paul. So I've got a bit of a, a roll call of people to speak on this. So those of you who are holding up your placards, I'm coming to you. You included Saint, who did it about four times. Um, so Tom, Tom Fox, what have you got to say on this? Um, I was, I mean, it was, I was going to really kind of really, uh, I think Jude said it already. <laughs> I think one of the things to bear in mind is don't expect anything from networking, because if you really push too hard, it's not going to go down well. And I was trying to think of all the, the kind of jobs that, and, and projects that have come in through Blue Zoo and how I know those people, the majority of them have been just me meeting someone once. And from that, I've met someone else. And it's just through these small little uh, connections uh, that, that you suddenly end up um, where you are. So it's, if I always say it's much more about kind of making your own luck by planting lots of these seeds everywhere and just chatting to people with no expectations, just trying to be, be friendly. And the second point was, I think Mark Flanagan from Epic said on another podcast, is um, a great way of boosting your confidence if you don't uh, if you're not very confident in those situations is just create your own youtube tutorials because uh, just recording that and talking to a camera really helps boost those skills really even helps. if no one watches it just just get used to talking to a camera and then that will uh, it pushes you out of your comfort zone to build those skills yeah i know mark wanted to attend this but he was he couldn't so uh, yeah it's like he was here so uh, hello mark <laughs> if you're or listening or watching um thank you tom so katie you were next in in the line yeah um so i just kind of wanted to i think really fantastic advice um i just wanted to kind of make note of the current circumstances of obviously we're talking about a lot of networking examples when we were all in a room together or at an event together um which doesn't necessarily exist a lot right now uh in person um so one it's kind of 
there are less opportunities to network, yes, but there's also that kind of awkward barrier of kind of being scared and in person also removed. Um, and I do know that there are a lot of um, places like SIGGRAPH, um, We Are Playgrounds, um, I think FMX are also doing a lot of kind of online events where people can join by video call. Um, I'm doing one in a week as well. So there's also those kind of online events where you can network in the comfort of your own home, um, which should maybe hopefully be a little bit less anxious for you. Um, and the second thing I would say is that the people that you speak to in industry have all networked before, especially all the people on this call right now. And what I would say is there are a lot of students and undergraduates or general people who are new to networking who can get quite nervous about it because they're always worried they're kind of coming across as, as stupid or not knowing what they're talking about or forgetting what to say. And it's, you know, I get it. It's really, really can be quite scary. Um, I think the thing to bear in mind is that we can guide the conversation so it just takes that first hello or the first kind of question yeah. and something to talk about. And it's like what everybody else was saying, someone there will kind of guide that. So mm. someone will kind of say like, oh yeah, I'm really interested in animation. And then there's a million things that I can say to keep the conversation generated, Absolutely. even if it falls into a lapse. So you'll always kind of be taken care of by people who are experienced in having those conversations until you build up that same experience and you can just do that naturally. Excellent. Thank you, Katie. So I've got Saints and Jude to go next. Um, can you keep it headlines? Because I want to get to a, a few uh, online questions. So Saints, have you got anything new to add to that thread? Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, the current situation really is, you know, what we're calling the revenge of the introverts, because suddenly the people who were sort of at the back of the class, shy, retiring violets, under sort of online situations, they're suddenly become forward and and they're able to sort of work sort of like the, the virtual floor if you like better than they could work uh, sort of an actual social event at fmx or wherever so i think the only issue with uh, with networking for people who aren't used to it is being able to pick up cues from the other person and online that's hard to do you, you don't see the raised eyebrow or the smirk of the other person uh, but i think the two things that young people need for uh, networking properly is active listening being able to listen and respond to what people are saying and also using good grace and humour. Brilliant. Thank you, Saint. And Jude, we've gone full circle. Back to you. Um, it's really quick. I'm just going to say, don't forget to follow up. So a lot of times, so although we've already said, don't expect anything in the, in the room or in that breakout Zoom chat or whatever it is that you're doing, do not forget to get people's details and follow up with them. Um, because you'd be surprised how often people, once they've met you um, or they've had an online converse interaction with you, maybe they've had the opportunity to see some of your work and they'll be impressed by it, but they're also potentially busy working people. So if you don't, they're open to having contact from you. So whether you use the LinkedIn or you've got their personal email, their work email, whatever it is, do make sure that you follow up because um, that will probably be a classic opportunity um, for you to advance your career um, just in little tiny steps. Brilliant. Thank you, Jude. So I'm going to move on to uh, our live questions. So we had a great question. Great. I've got speech impediment all of a sudden. Um, so David, CJ David or David CJ has said that um, the buzzword at the moment is the industry is quiet. Money hasn't disappeared. And so someone is making money somewhere. Where would you recommend best focusing on creating opportunities to drive income? That's a very, very good question. Anybody got any take on that? Ah, 
Thank God. Right. Okay, I'm going to go with Katie, <laughs> then Paul. Um, I would just say uh, we're not quiet at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, Touche. So, so there are there are those opportunities out and about um, because, as you kind of say, when it talks about creating opportunities, and we touched on it earlier, that the kind of need for content is even greater now than ever. Um, and so that needs to be created somehow. So for CG animation, that's kind of become like a, a bit of an area to rely on for advertisement and okay. for um, like TV series. Um, and it can exist in other areas as well in terms of games, I would imagine, though I can't mm. necessarily speak that industry. So um, there's definitely creative opportunities within these specialisms out there. It's not all quiet. Great answer. Thanks, Casey. Paul? Yeah, just to um well to extend that point really i'm happy to say that we're not that quiet either we did you know we there was obviously a lot of uncertainty around advertising in general but you know certain categories such as technology brands any kind of content creators so games companies are starting to look at you know how they can build up their um, their marketing and advertising presence and what we've seen is a shift um, initially uh, away from live action footage and to full CG and, and motion design led projects, but actually now shooting is starting to open up in a small scale in lots of different locations. So, you know, obviously it's more challenging for the big, uh, big budget kind of film sets, but for advertising projects, you know, studio sets or, you know, even on location um, in controlled circumstances with small numbers of people that those shoots are starting to happen. So yeah, advertising is kind of picking up uh, relatively quickly. Okay, so David, CJ, don't believe the hype. Alice. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say kind of similar things that for us at DNEG, um, we are still hiring in the feature animation and the um, sort of previs area. So as a student, if you, you know, you graduated in visual effects and that's really where you want to go, I think that this is a time to maybe broaden your horizons and apply for a job in feature animation or apply for a job in feature, even um, if it's uh, previous, even if it's not where you want to be long-term, just be a bit more open, I guess. Excellent, thank you, Alice. Um, oh, Andy. Yeah, I was just gonna add, it doesn't actually answer the question, but I was just gonna add, it kind of links to networking as well. I think most, uh, or a lot of people, the recruiters that I know, I know actually, don't be afraid to still talk to those people, even if they don't look like they're actively hiring or if they're not actively hiring, okay, it's not going to get you immediate financial gain, and, uh, and where, uh, but there's going to be a, a, a um, sort of, there, there will be a point where hiring goes into overdrive, particularly in this industry. Um, and, and so if you're having those conversations before then, you're, you're, you're the one that's fresh in, in, in our minds. It's kind of, oh, I spoke to such and such a couple of weeks ago. They approached me, we had a conversation it's a really good time, even if it is a quieter time for recruitment, it's probably the best time to network because those recruiters have got time to have those conversations and actually talk to you about future opportunity, where you might go, give, give sound advice. So I just wanted to add that extra bit. It doesn't answer the question, but there is kind of, still good advice. In, in terms of networking, it's a really good time to get in, in, in touch with people. That's an encouraging, yeah, encouraging words from Andy, definitely. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I didn't want to not cover one other question that I've got on my feed here. 
which uh, I guess is in tune with kind of action and opportunity is, um, and I'm going to read this verbatim, it's from Stephen Quinet or Quinette, um, forgive me if I've got your surname wrong, Stephen, um, our Instagram friend who's now uh, joining us live, um, who says, are there any runner equivalent jobs that studios offering during this time? I'd be happy to do any odd jobs to gain some experience working with the production team. So I'm not saying for a minute we're going to ask him to come in and fix the plumbing, but um, does anybody have any, is anybody currently hiring entry level roles at the moment that they want to kind of push out there? See Katie nod in there. Go on, Katie, what you got? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, kind of in all areas, uh, really. So um, animation, lighting, compositing, uh, post-production, um, asset building, all of them. <laughs> That's, that's a very jaded and tired Katie. Well, um, <laughs> just busy, not jaded. No, jaded is the wrong word. I meant, yeah, fatigued, fatigued maybe. Um, I okay, so, better, but okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a great answer and I'm sure uh, music to Stephen's ears there. So Stephen, head over to uh, Blues or Animation's website for sure. Uh, anybody else want to take that or should we start to bring our lovely hour to a close? Um, I'll just add to that. I think it's... Um, in terms of uh, those kind of runner equivalent jobs, they may be quiet while studios are more remote until things kind of gradually go back. So I think it's, um, I just say it's an ideal time to, rather than thinking in that way, um, to practice those those skills. So, you know, even if when you're running, even though it's great experience to kind of, to know the ins and outs of how studio works, there's not as much hands-on work you can do when you're running. So rather than do that, you could spend your time really practicing and pushing ahead. So when the studios are ready to start hiring those positions again, you're in an even better place. So I think it's more of a question of just sit tight and, and make the most of the time. Absolutely. It's to the question earlier, isn't it, about next year and what next year is going to look like as well. Use the time wisely. Um, okay, right. Does anybody got any final words? I know, you know, we've got a hugely attended um, podcast this evening. So thank you all of you that have, uh, have joined it as guests. But has anybody got any kind of final kind of nuggets that they want to throw out there as kind of final mic drop words before we bring this to a close? Or have you dropped many mics in the last hour? I know my Wi-Fi dropped many mics. I won't call them mics, though, during this episode. Andy? Yeah, I think, um, and it goes back to the networking. I think that's been a, a big theme on the call. One thing that I sort of thought of is, uh, and actually, there's no stupid questions. You're asking someone who nine times out of 10 is going to be have the same interest or same passion as you because you're either contacting them uh, through social media with a purpose and it's regarding something that they do. You found that they, they're doing the same thing or in, in the industry. Um, don't be afraid. It's easy to say that, especially recruiters. We're very, we're, we're, we're quite extrovert uh, uh, by nature, but don't be afraid to start a conversation with someone or, all they'll do is not respond, and to be perfectly honest, that it, that looks that's more on them rather than on yourself. So don't be afraid to try and connect with with, with, with people. So yeah, Thanks, no Andy. silly questions, and don't be afraid to talk to people. Probably my um, excellent two, two things. Thank you, Andy. Katie, I just wanted to go uh, kind of back to full circle of um, with everybody posting and everything we talked about. It's really fantastic to be so active. Um, but there's also kind of the added element of uh, the weight that this the circumstances bring. Um, comparison is the thief of all joy. 
So you might not have the resources, the headspace to necessarily output work all the time. There's an intense pressure on you. Um, I would say do what you can and take pride in it and make those kind of small steps in any way that's comfortable for you. Um, if you keep moving forward, even if it's incrementally, that's still progress. Um, but don't compare yourself to everything that you see online because we are mm. all online right now and that will only kind of hinder you um, rather than push wow. you forward. I've actually got goosebumps from that. Compa <laughs> comparison is the thief, thief of all joy. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going with that. It's wonderfully <laughs> put. I, I'd hope that would be the final word, but it's not going to be because I've got Amy Backwell who wants to join the, the fray. So Amy, what have you got for us? <laughs> Thank, yeah, thanks, Katie and Simon. Um, I think actually you've inspired me to say what I do tell a lot of people um, and it kind of comes from personal experience and choice of like still um, follow your own path and don't forget your dream. I think some people might disagree, but I really, I, I feel strongly about this of, you know, if you want to be a concept artist, then then that's your dream and, and, and go for it. Don't forget your dream in this time just because say there's, suddenly a load of compositing jobs okay fine that might bring the money but it's not going to bring the satisfaction long term and you know this industry is still long and and, and can be quite hard hours although i think a lot of companies are, are finding very healthy work-life balances right now okay. <laughs> um so yeah that that was it really follow your heart and your dream um be kind to yourself as well um yeah. Okay, well, that would be great parting words, but we also have Bonnie waiting to drop <laughs> So, Bonnie, what have you got for us? Honestly, I didn't know if, if you would have time. I will pay attention. We will make time for you, Bonnie. Come on, what you got? Thank you. But really quickly, um, I think the most important thing um, to un actually understand is, us, is that we all started somewhere. We all started when, you know, when we're really young, we, we started a new job, or even people who changed career during a midlife crisis. So we all started somewhere. So don't be scared about that. Be persistent. Uh, always, as, uh, as it was mentioned, always try to pursue your dreams and what, you're really, what you really want, basically. Don't hesitate, reach out to people. I think this was an amazing, uh, an amazing webinar and there's a lot of great advice shared. So don't hesitate to get out yeah. there and reach out to people. Well. So nice try, um, especially with amazing webinar. I wish we were finishing on that, but the final, final word goes to St. John Walker, who got in. So make it good, St. What you got? Oh, I didn't realise I'd even got my hand up. God. You um, it was. Oh, well, in that case, in that case I'm going to say, remember, this is a people industry, and uh, <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> Not what I'd hoped for, but we'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the um, uh, to Katie's point. The uh, I would say Access VFX podcasts are the thief of all time because we've overrun by a good five minutes. Um, so thank you for allowing that. Either anybody listening or, or those of you that have still stuck it out and not not bailed on the the podcast because I know it's dinner time for us in the UK. So I want to say a big thank you to Tom, Jude, Bonnie, Alice, Andrew, Amy, Katie, Saint, Paul, and Jenny. Um, thank you for anybody who continues to listen to these podcasts because we keep putting them out and we will continue to put them out as long as we're on lockdown and beyond because these didn't start with lockdown did they Tom they started way back you know we're yep. veterans of the game so um, I just want to say a massive thank you and anybody listening who wants to um, 
pursue a role in industry, particularly animation VFX and games. Uh, as always, I shout out the Access VFX mentoring platform. We're always looking for more mentors and mentees. I will say on this episode that our mentee count outweighs the mentors. So we have about 700 people signed up to get a mentor and we've got approximately about 300 mentors signed up. So if anybody's listening from industry, please sign up, it's free and there's no better time to give back to somebody um, during this crazy period of time we're living through. So uh, it's accessvfx forward slash mentors, go check it out. Thank you everybody. Stay tuned, stay safe, and um, have a nice evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It's quite the international podcast today. So um, <laughs> good night and thank you. All the best. Cheers. There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening, and until next time, bye.